good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. You are listening to the Redraft Podcast, and I am your co-host, Romina Ramos, and I am here with the gorgeous and gifted Will Stevenson. How are you, Will? Hello. All the better for that description. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. How's your week I'm, been? Uh, yeah, good. I'm I'm doing weird bug, uh, back-to-back podcasts. I've literally just got back um, from the live recording that I did with Emily Murray for Nolan Me, Nolan You. Uh, yes. film podcast all about Chris Nolan um, where we did a showing of Memento and then we did a little Q&A panel afterwards which was great with some really good audience questions and um, it was a lovely time that will be out in due course over the following few days and weeks and we'll signpost you to it um, when it comes out but it was really fun so thanks to Emily and the guys over there at uh, Courtplex for having us and for having us on the pod it was really fun very nice, very nice. And uh, congratulations on uh, getting a response from Oatly and getting lots of milk and goodies sent to your house. Shit, yeah, it's been a big week, as if that was this week. Yeah, right, so those, for anyone who doesn't know, um, I chanced my luck and I, it was just after we went to get tattoos, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to message Oatly and say, if I get an Oatly-themed tattoo, will you give me free milk? And I don't think that they wanted to, like, be representing that to be i think that was too dangerous for them <laughs> yeah. um so they said they said oh you're a poet write us a poem and i said well they actually said write us a rhyme and i was like no 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 so i wrote them uh a sonnet, sonnet. <laughs> a 10 line <laughs> rhyming 14 line rhyming poem um and they loved it and i got some free oat milk so what a time beautiful six cartons thank you oatly next step sponsor the podcast give us that weekly income <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff. Um, yeah, I had a, I had also a nice start to the week this week. I had the, the beginning of the week off work, so I went off and camped for a night, which was nice, just being in the nature near the lakes. I love being near water. Something about it that, like, cools my soul. Um, yeah, it looked amazing, that. We were just, like, messaging you, trying to figure out, like, what, you know, something, and you were like, oh, yeah, I'm just, I don't have a phone with me. It's off. <laughs> like, I'm in the water or whatever. So, okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. Just yeah. escaping for a night. It's important. It does suit the soul. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. So, without further ado, do you want to yeah. introduce this week's guest to our lovely listeners? Yeah, absolutely, I do. So, um, an absolute treat this week for you. Um, we have a Manchester legend, I think it's safe to say. Yeah. Um, somebody's been creative in residence at Affleck Palace for seven years. Um, a battle rap champion um, who has been internationally um, renowned for that. The subject of not one, but two documentary feature films. Yeah. Uh, we have the lovely Joy France. Now, for those who don't know Joy, um, Joy is... Uh, not what you would sort of assume uh, of, of, of a regular battle rapper as such. Uh, she's an older <laughs> lady um, and she's she got into poetry uh, or performing poetry uh, a little bit later in life and then into performing battle rap and doing all sorts of mad, weird, crazy shit. And she is amazing and inspirational and I really, really love chatting with her. Yes, so we will all go listen now and we'll see you on the other side. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We're here at the beautiful Free Guys Cafe with the wonderful Joy France, who's had a hectic 
go of it this weekend by the scenes of things. You've been everywhere, Joy. Uh, it's been a busy weekend, but yeah, yeah I like it that way. <laughs> so, Joy, for those who don't know, is the rapping granny. That's your that's your <laughs> page three name, as we've discussed. <laughs> it's not anything I've ever called myself, but yeah. <laughs> no, it is funny though. It's it's what you've been tabloided as. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't think many poets get tabloided, really. <laughs> doesn't happen that often, does it? No, mine's not just been a straightforward line. It's gone all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. So I first came across you five years ago, maybe, now. And yeah. I was reading, um, I've been, like I said, doing my research on you, which has been really <laughs> weird on people you know. Um, and you've been doing this for about eight years, is that right? Po poetry. Yeah. A bit longer. In terms of in front of crowds and people. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had a year where I only did it in, in one pub for the whole, you know, in Wigan at the Tudor and before I stepped out into yeah. the world to do other things. And, and that was much more genteel, perhaps. What, the rest of the world yeah. compared to the Tudor? <laughs> 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 oh, definitely. Yeah, they called it, I found it afterwards, they called it the bear pit. It was, th yeah. Cutting my teeth and <laughs> in style, I didn't realise. Jumped yeah. in at the at the, yeah. the end. Yeah. So we'll talk about all that. But before yeah. we do, um, I wanted to talk about because as a teacher myself, I wanted to talk about um, your days working in Prue's or running a Prue because we never talked about that. Um, so for those that don't know, it's a pupil referral unit, which is where we as a society send the naughty kids. <laughs> so how did you get started working in schools and and how did okay. it affect um, your Basically, as a as a child, I was very, very quiet and shy and really didn't want anyone to talk to me and everything. And I ended up falling into teaching because a member of my family got a special needs teacher and it transformed their life. And, it was, and I thought, oh, well, that'd be a nice thing to do. And because I didn't have any confidence and didn't like talking in front of people, I thought I could do that like one-to-one -one or in little groups, I could be okay. So I actually trained to be a special needs teacher for primary kids. It was just only over the years I ended up teaching teenagers and then the ones that were excluded from school, then the extreme ones. That I actually ran a pupil unit in Salford for many years. And um, yeah, I did love it. But I took early retirement and life's got really weird since. <laughs> <laughs> I actually attended a couple of them in my, in my high school career, so. Uh, yeah, uh, did you find them more, more challenging than rewarding or was it kind of a... The, nice. actual, the actual, when you could do what was needed, it was fantastic. And when you could really connect with the kids and the parents and you could give them what they want, you know, you could actually get them going out and chopping down trees or whatever, volunteering. Yeah. When you've actually got to get them and get their GCSE to the right grade in geography, which they don't want to do, um, yeah, that's yeah. when it gets hard. Yeah, yeah. But I, I didn't think I was creative at all myself, but I could see the power of creativity. So I used to spend a lot of the budget bringing people in, you know, to do drumming and storytelling and things that were just that bit different, that weren't teacherish to, to engage them. So I just didn't recognize any creativity in myself. It's a world of, a life of two halves, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Did you. Did you kind of find your creativity through that through that line of work? Or oh was no! It oh no! Not no, at all. No, no, no. <laughs> it was a no. it was like really weird, uh, like everything actually. That's um, yeah. I mean, I like at the moment I'm doing a lot of stand up comedy and I don't have to write jokes. It's just my life. It's yeah, just yeah. Like <laughs> so funny. So no, I was in my mid fifties and I was working in the Pru and life was predictable, quite boring, quite whatever. And I just thought, I need to shake things up. 
So what I decided to do was that if any coincidences happened, I would follow. If somebody said something and somebody else said something, and if it was mentioned three times, I'd go and do something and see where it took me. I knew about a year later when I'd actually followed some coincidences to do with cabbages, and I ended <laughs> up... <laughs> well, You've got to go into that. You can't just say coincidences <laughs> to do with cabbages and move on. Somebody mentioned cabbages well, three times in a day, and it was the, when I was going to something at the old corner house, and I went to book the night before on, on early days of computers. It was about... I don't know, nine years ago or something. I noticed there was something on beforehand to do with cabbages, so I d it was free, so I just booked on. I thought, I'll go in, it's an hour, and I'll go. What I hadn't realised was, it was this Chinese artist who basically lives, and he carries a cabbage with him at wherever he goes, because uh, it makes him see the world differently, and it's to do with the famine and about urbanisation and, and all these political statements. So he goes around the world, and he gets people to join him and taking cabbages for a walk on Leeds, so, yes, I ended up taking a cabbage for a walk with 100 people <laughs> through the streets <laughs> of Manchester. And I thought, yeah, this is this is getting a bit weird now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, actually, I've just, just on this side thing, I actually called up my mum on the way home, you know, and basically said, you, can't, you won't guess what I've done today. I've been taking a cabbage for a walk. And she laughed and she said, that's a coincidence. I said, what do you mean it's a coincidence? She said, well, don't you know that's the first word you ever said? You were sat in your pram with me and your auntie Joan were there and you were like, cabbages. And we said, she said, just said cabbages. And like, she never told me that story. Wow. <laughs> so it was just like, basically all that happened was I stopped worrying. I'd spend my life worrying about, well, should I be doing this? No, I should be doing that. What will people think? You know, sh you know, am I, have I got the right to do this or whatever? This is a bit weird. What will, and I just, in my mid-50s, I stopped worrying and just did a whole series of things that led me into poetry. <laughs> so did... Going all the way back to, yeah. you know, growing up, high school and stuff, did you engage with, like, literature and poetry and anything like that that being, was being taught to you at school back then? Yeah, but on a low level, I wouldn't really admit it much. I yeah. mean, I used to, I was a vociferous, whatever that word is, <laughs> yeah, vociferous reader yeah. as yeah. a kid uh, because I was very introverted, didn't like talking to people. It was a different world I could go into. Mm. And, yeah, I loved poetry and things, but I could never imagine myself doing anything yeah. like that. That, uh. was not, that was something just, no, that wasn't at all doable. And, yeah, I just tried to be average. In fact, it was a bit of a shock to my family when I passed my 11 plus because I'd always tried not to put my head above the parapet. For some daft reason, I actually tried hard and one got, got through. And I hated every minute of school. I really did. So you went to a grammar? I went to a grammar, yeah. which, I which I really didn't like at all. Yeah. yeah. And uh, luckily, they'd built, the year before, they'd built Eccles College. Otherwise, if it had been sixth form, I'd have left then. But I, because of Eccles College, I then trained to be a teacher. So did you go? What did what did you do at the college? Straight what su subjects? Yeah, it was subjects. English was one English. of them as well, and French and I can't remember so now. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. I knew what to do teaching. Yeah, I did, and I failed my maths, so I had to retake that. And yeah, uh, it was. I think at the time. It, it should have been really, really clear because, you know, just before lockdown, I got, got diagnosed as, you know, I'm, I'm neurodiverse. Like nearly every friend I've got who's of any interest is, is neurodiverse. I've got very few beige friends. <laughs> and um, But looking back, it should have been so obvious, the strategies that I had to just try and fit in with the world. And um, so, yeah, I, I didn't enjoy education. But Eccles College was a lot more yeah. liberal and, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Modernization yeah. was on its way slowly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was throughout the, you know, I was always 
keen to embrace new things. You know, I was one of the first people in the country to have a computer in the classrooms. When I was, you know, I used to work with the university one day a week in Manchester with Semic, de designing things for special needs kids and things. So I, you know, I was had quite an interest in. I had thirst for knowledge and new things. Well, to scratch at new things. Yeah, yeah. It was just all there. that interesting stuff that's going on there. Um, but yeah, it's, it just had anybody who knew me then just shakes their head now and can't believe the yeah. stuff that I'm getting up to itself. No, because it does seem like completely divorced. I wonder at what point, being in your 50s, you were like, I want to just say yes to stuff. I'm going to mm. say yes to everything. I didn't say yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been Let's a different be story. <laughs> I was open to it. Open to Yeah. <laughs> Maybe to everything. Yeah. Maybe. I considered everything. Yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah, do yeah. everything. Do you think, though, like, what, because something must have prompted that to have such a, such a big change from this person who you described, who I cannot pick. Yeah, I'd tell people it wasn't like a control alt delete moment. Yeah. You know, as I was, you know, at each job I did and when I was in charge of approving that, I was getting more and more confidence. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I just suddenly emerged. Um, but, this idea that I could explore my own, I, I had the freedom to see and see where things went, was um, it, it was a, it was a delight because it was unpredictable. So I always say it was more like Alice falling down the rabbit hole. You never knew what was going to, and I just thought I can deal with it. whatever's coming, whatever's going to try. It'll take me there, or it'll take me there. I'm not going to steer my own boat. I'm just going to see where life takes me. So the next thing that really elevated things was when I, just a few months before I turned 60, I was at an event in the three-minute theatre, and I remember there was Matt Panesh and Jackie Hagen were hosting, and I stood up and I said something about, um, you know, I'm going to be 60 or whatever. I should try and do 60 new things. I don't know why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie then, at the break time, handed out pieces of paper to everyone. Can you make suggestions as to what Joy should do? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and some of them Amazing. were hilarious, as you can imagine. Yeah. Well. Because of that, it then became a thing. I tried to do 60 new things in the f four months, I think it was, before I turned 60, and I had a ball. And all the things had to be cheap and through real people. So, you know, I held an owl for the first time or I tried new food or I, you know, it, wh whatever it was, I was just open to it. So when I turned 60, I thought, you know, I'm going to do 61 in the year I'm 61, 62 in the year I'm 61. So every year, I don't actually count them anymore, but I try and fit in as many new things as I can. So, like, at the moment, I'm currently learning how to DJ. Yes, please. I can't wait for the That's one of my, yeah. That's one of my, What are you DJing? What, what music are you putting well, on? Well, it started off mainly sort of mainstream dance stuff that the, 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 the young lad who was teaching me. But then a friend of mine who's got a studio and makes his own drum and bass stuff was doing some, and I really like that. I was really like... But then what I want to do is really mix it up and put some real weird twists onto some... Sort of fairly uh, obviously some of the rap and hip hop type things, but you know, he mentioned fusion, fusing them with some of the real, I don't know, bangers that nobody knows from years ago that can just really start like, where, where did that go? You know, what's what is your go to music? Then? Oh, so no, we've I got can't. Yes, no, no, yes. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot actually have a go to music, um, because it depends on what I'm trying where to do, yeah, 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 and where I am, but my. I'll, can I tell you about a project I'm currently doing? You can be the first ones to know Ooh, about we're it. We're always happy with an exclusive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just you, you've just mentioned that there. Um, myself and a group of different friends, carefully selected at the moment, um, we are compiling a playlist of people's go-to tunes for when they're really low. Right. 
because the idea is if there is a playlist that you can uh, that anyone can dip into when they're really now but then explain why this is one that always makes me bounce around yeah. this is the one when i want when i'm really I, it takes me lower so i can really and the idea is what's happened so far is the people are compiling it it's been great for them they've got you know they're focusing on it and doing it in their own way and also the people who are contributing feel like they're contributing so we've got a few. I was at Beeston Film Festival because the documentary about me was on there. So I did it. Just I've got joy. one that was a bit. Yeah. So I was. Um, uh, joy and censored is actually. Yeah. Ah, okay. the, the second one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but so there's one there. There's one for Affleck's. There's one for this. Sure. One for and then I'm going to put them all online and you just just because yeah and I'm I'm finding lots of new sorts of music and yeah. yeah. That's so amazing. It's simple. Yeah. But might make a difference to at least you know Absolutely. different people so why not yeah no of course it's such a powerful like tool especially for me i use it you know when i'm feeling down or when i'm feeling high sometimes or any emotion there's m there's a specific mu type of music yes. or song that yeah. will either elevate that or you know exactly. alleviate that um, and this is why when yeah. we're doing this we don't if people say i can't pick one was just put your own playlist, you know, that's yeah. fine. You know, well, if you want 10, have 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's some rules on this. Yeah. And so, so that, yeah. that links into what you've been doing this weekend, then, going to see Luna C. Oh, yeah, I went to see Luna C this Tell week. I mean, you've seen me in Manchester this week, but I didn't go and see him in Manchester. No, <laughs> I wouldn't do the easy bit, would I? <laughs> uh, but I've got friends over there, and I was trying to tie it in with a few other things. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's really funny, though, because obviously it's a podcast and people can't see me, but if anybody doesn't know me, you know, I'm an older woman, white hair, you know, sort of, I don't exactly look like the the scene. And and at the, at the event in Wrexham at the XS Club, there's only four people in the room knew me. So when we went in, it's really funny because you can see people looking up or sometimes p the person on the door will say something like, oh, well, whose mum are you? <laughs> or, you know, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 and things like that. Um, but this time, just before we went in, I'm, I'm performing in Warrington next month and it's uh, to do with food banks. So I think it's hags against yeah, poverty sort of thing. And I, oh, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent here, but we last week I nipped into Waitrose. I never go into Waitrose. I need the toilet. And so I had a look around Waitrose, and I saw, I've got it in my bag, actually. I saw Waitrose have an essential range. Right. And I saw that you can get soft French goat's cheese essential. <laughs> and I'm just, that it, just it just baffled me, right? <laughs> so I'm telling my friends in, before we went in. And as we went in, I thought, I don't have to go to Waitrose to see if there's more essentials. I'll look online. So I got in, <laughs> sat at the table, start looking. I haven't got any paper, so I take a f um, one of the posters down with lunacy on, turn it over, get my pen out, and I'm writing, you know, um, yeah, um, profiteroles, essential line, <laughs> you know, uh, or whatever. And I'm doing, and I realise as people are coming in, there's this old woman doing a shopping list. <laughs> <laughs> But I just, because uh, the way I'm, I had to get it finished there and then. So I'm not right Listen, there's some JME songs that sound like shopping lists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a great time. It was really good. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so I just thought, well, yeah, yeah it, it was good. So we'll start to link into how poetry became yeah. battle rap. Um, oh, yeah. Because those are very contrasting things. Some might say, some mm, might disagree. There's we'll a lot of bath rappers it. do poetry Absolutely. and a lot of, yeah, a lot of, yeah. So, uh, like I said at the top, for those who don't know, you know, you've got quite a reputation. 
I'm sure that you can, you're very Googleable, um, for being, like you say, an older person who stands out in these spaces. Yeah. Um, particularly an older woman as well. So what was it, when was the first event, like for those that don't know, that, that someone came up to you and said, you should try this battle rap thing? Right, it wasn't quite like that. <laughs> Um, I did know two people who were battle rappers. I didn't really understand it. I just thought it, you know, I knew they were nice guys. And it, one was Canelo, I don't know, you know, and Martin Visceral. And they were in the poetry scene and used to do slams and used to do workshops and used to do. Um, and I knew they did that. And I just believed, genuinely believed, it was everything that I abhor. It was, I believed it was sexist and it was homophobic and it was just gross and it was just. I just. There was nothing I could, yeah, that that was my view, absolutely my view. And I had no intention, but I have, remember me telling you I tried to do as many new things as I do in each year? Yes. Well, I have had for the last seven years a residency in Afflex in Manchester as their creative in residence, and I had this creative space. And people would come in, and there was one time, and there was two lads came in, and one lad, he... he shared a poem that he'd written which was lovely when people do that especially when they're not used to it it was really nice so i said all right i'll do you one of my poems and i've got a poem called running and it's got a bit of rhythm to it so i did this poem and uh one of them laughed and said that's not poetry that's rap you should do <laughs> rap and the other one said you should do battle rap now and i just laughed but after they'd gone i put it on my list of things you know, alongside doing burlesque and doing comic cons and doing you know, all these <laughs> things that people had suggested. I've got this massive list and with no intention of it ever happening. And then, not long afterwards, uh, this uh, Wigan-based documentary company, really, really lovely, Northern Heart Films, were doing a film about this this eccentric, wonderful guy who used to come into the space. So they were filming him and he came into the space and they discovered me. Alan. Alan, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Alan's, yeah, it's been part of this, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole, you do a whole podcast yeah, yeah, about yeah, Alan. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then when they saw me, they, they thought, this is an interesting, yeah. And when I told them about my list, they, you know, they looked at the list and said, battle rap. And I said, yeah, but I, it's <laughs> never going to happen. You know, it's just on the list. Anyway, there was the National Documentary uh, Festival in Sheffield that happens each year. had, um, like, a competition for some funding from specifically to fund a documentary about somebody, something old, old aging differently. So okay. something interesting. So I went with them and we pitched and they got the money to get this going. What well, they didn't realise it was going to take them years to get this done because <laughs> it wasn't just a simple thing. And I put my trust in them, which was quite a big thing for me, and trusted that they weren't going to make a, a film, a film yeah, that, yeah, that just either mocks me or whatever. Yeah. So you know, they put, they, no, they were amazing. And so, but they said, look, how is this? I said, how is it? You know, I'd love to do a battle rap one, but it's not going to happen. Then what happened was there was a young lad in from the poetry scene, Damani, who was um, not in Manchester anymore. I was sitting with him having a coffee in Ginger's in Affleck's, and I'm telling him about this battle rap idea. And he let slip that when he was at school, he'd done some battle rap. So I said, what about we, do we battle each other? Just, you yeah, know, it's yeah. whatever. So... He agreed, and a few weeks later, outside Afflex in the arcade, we battled. Right? Brilliant! And it was like <laughs> it was—I was terrified, and it was like scary, and I didn't—we didn't tell people, but all these people found out. And there's a massive crowd, and, <laughs> and it's been filmed for the documentary. Yeah. 
and that's where it should have stopped. It really <laughs> should have stopped there. That's where that is. That should have been the end of the story. But my brain wouldn't let go. <laughs> my brain kept saying, "You've not done it for real. You've battled somebody you know in a place that you know. You've not mm. stepped into the battle rap world at all. You know. You know. I wonder whether you could do it. I wonder whether you could actually do it." And then coincidences again. Uh, one Saturday, I got a phone call from Louise Fazakli, and she said. Um, Oh, I forgot to tell you, Joe, there's some training on at the old courts and it's something to do with funding or something. So in, I turned the car around and said they're going to Affleck's and I came to, to Wigan. Yep. And it turned out the people who were running it were Martin Visceral, who was the right. one of the ones yeah. now and his wife, Jess. Yeah. And so at, at the break time, I sort of went up to him and said, Martin, <laughs> Martin, I, said, I know this is a daft idea, but will you give me your honest answer? What if I wanted to battle rap? And he just <laughs> went, yes, yeah. that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'm going to make that happen. Brilliant. So he talked to me about the different leagues and he basically approached King of the Ronalds to say, give this... Now, the guy, who, in the main guy, um, <laughs> basically said to him, no, no way is we're going to have... You know, we're, we're a bit of an anarchic punk league. We're not, a, you know, like a gimmick league. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to happen. Now, luckily, there was an event being put on in Coventry, and it was the other guy who was helping run it, Bowski, who was in charge of the card, and he he put me on, Amazing. and he found an opponent, Blunt Ted, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the rest is history. Because basically, I did do that that battle, and I did win that battle. How did you feel like right after you'd done it? Oh, amazing! Yeah. The, 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 it was the crowd and everything yeah. that the people that had said they were all just, and the fact that I knew I'd held. I wasn't brilliant, but I'd held my own. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you didn't feel walked old. I genuinely thought, though, that that would be the end of it. Yeah. And I was really surprised because, like, the first person who came up to speak to me there was really lovely, and then the next person was really... And I thought, hang on. You know, these people are tearing each other apart. They're being absolutely gross, and yet they're lovely. You know, it, ones who come straight out of prison, architects, anybody. It was like a whole eclectic mixture. But I did think that's where it would end. But, yeah, <laughs> I, d I, d I tell this in when I'm doing the stand-up comedy because I do it as a double act with um, my best friend Scully, yeah. yes, which you, you know. Get that. I caught that at Mike at the Mill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, and, um, but basically, you know, I do say that was meant to be the end of it, but it, when it went up on YouTube, I genuinely, genuinely sat there thinking, oh, my God, this is going to get loads of views and I'm going to be laughed at. And it got loads of views, yeah. you know, it's still still going up. But it was the comments, and the comments from the Battle Rap Worlds were, you know, Joy, you know, the goat. I'm like, well, I really didn't know what the goat was. I really genuinely <laughs> didn't. <laughs> so, you know, I had to yeah. say to people, you know, I'm stupid. I'm, you know, well, I'm not, what's the, the grace of all time? They, they, but so essentially I ended up just making loads of friends, and my idea of getting them to rethink people like me, yeah, I was just as guilty. You know, I I made assumptions about that, and it's it is the well, I wouldn't still be part of it if it wasn't yeah. so amazing. It's yeah. What what is the best insult that you've ever come up with? That I've ever come that up you've with. You've ever come up with. <laughs> it's very situational because yeah. that's that's. I mean, I, I, as part of when you do poetry when you do music you come up with your stuff and you deliver it and you can do it over and over again and you can tweak it when you're in a battle you just do your battle and that's it you can't use those bars again they're mm. dead they're up you know they may be up on youtube but they're dead and i just thought 
no, bugger that. I'm going to turn some of my bars into something I can do over and over again. So I've created this piece that I keep changing that's using some of the bars that I've used. And so I can tell you that, like, the, the, the way it ends, am I, am I right to say things? You yeah, can always yeah, bleep yeah, me out, yeah, can't yeah. you? No, no, you say it. So, like, at the very end, I say something like, it ends with something like, um, let's see, uh, I'm, I'm a high-speed train, you're late-night replacement bus, the difference in is I've got guts, and you make a fuss over paper cuts. I'm rich roasted coffee, you're gold blending. It's me that's got the balls, and guess what? You're the bell end. Because I'm stronger than the Great Wall of China, so come on, take a swipe like you do on Tinder. Nah, you grinder. <laughs> and, and then this is the line that gets them. And if you still think you're hard, here's a reminder. I've pushed a 10-pound child out of my vagina. I've just destroyed you by putting that in music. So, yeah. <laughs> and I actually said that one to yes. Demani. I've got, I've got oh a picture good. of his face. Really. It's just like this horrified face. What has she just done to me? <laughs> you know so yeah i try to be myself and not put on a thing and just use humor to do to dis i'm not about destroying people yeah it's an entertainment you know yeah, yeah, you yeah. can be harsh but your best friends afterwards it's yeah it's a line isn't it yeah and what is i think remarkable is that you are right you have done it properly do you know what i mean without like uh Without compromising yourself like yeah. at all and trying yeah. to, like, if you turn up in like a two piece Nike yeah, tracksuit, yeah, 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 you know, it just, just sounds silly, yeah, changing my name and going, yo, yo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine it, yeah, yeah, it just no. isn't that dope, yeah, it just isn't me, is it? No, I either do it or I don't do it. Have you thought about doing it in music, putting some recorded stuff out? I'm in the middle of doing something. <laughs> 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 Myself and Rick Scully. You know, yeah. Scully is a musician and yeah. we're doing a few bits and pieces. And I've been working with um, Hallerud Productions to put some of my poetry to music as well. Yeah. Um, there is a distinction, see? See, there is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the poetry came first and then it became. And, I mean, this is really... I ca I've had a phobia about singing all my life, serious phobia. And uh, the only reason I ended up doing some a little bit was because I did a parody about Donald Trump. So Donald <laughs> Trump made me sing. But it's still not comfortable. And last week, I had a conversation. I had a phone call from The Voice wanting to me to go on The Voice. Like oh, my because God. They'd, they'd No. <laughs> they'd, they'd, come they'd come across my stuff on YouTube. And, and you know, they want, obviously, what a story and everything. For a second, I thought about it. Because they said, yeah, you get a mentor. And that. I thought, well, maybe I could do it. Or I could do it with Rick. We could Will you know, I am? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then I thought, I can't trust them to, to no, not I make it. No, no, no. So, but just the ridiculousness of that, yeah. you know, I'm, uh, yeah. Talk to us about Scully. How did you first, like, get in touch with him? How did you meet? And then how has it blossomed into, you call him your best mate? Yeah. Um, yeah, people don't believe. But we really <laughs> are. Uh, yeah, we are really our best mates. Um, first time I ever saw him, he was battling in Sheffield. And I thought, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> what the heck? He was basically um, telling everyone he was clean and sober, but he was on stuff. And he thought he was amazing. There, there was, you could see there was something, but yeah. there was, you could see what was in there, yeah. but he could had no self-awareness as to, you know, and he had some clever bits. And it's one of those battles that's gone down in history as being watchable for all the wrong reasons. Right. And basically, I... I started a group called Bath Rap Curious for people who just really wanted to know more and he hadn't been in the w that world for long, so he was in that group. And I just put a call out, as I have done to everybody, look, I'm in Aflex, if anybody wants to come in. And when people from the Battle of the Rap world came in, I always got them to do something different, like I played chess with a guy called Fighter and 
um, you know, I had a henna tattoo for these kids' names for Blunt's head and, you know, somebody else had a You know, I just sort of like... Changes. Yeah, just, yeah, soften the edges a bit. And basically Rick did come in and he's really embarrassed because he was... Uh, at some point he'll share the, the video that he took of him because he was just like talking and, and I'm rolling my eyes like, well, is this guy never going <laughs> to shut up, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it was soon after that he basically did get clean and sober, sober and, um, yeah, uh, if he wasn't, he wouldn't, uh, that wouldn't, the friendship wouldn't be there. So, and it, people assume it's like a, a one way because of my background, teaching all the rest of it, and his background and, uh, you know, sort of addiction and, well, every, everything that you can possibly <laughs> imagine. Um, but it isn't. It's a really very absolutely equal friendship. It's really, sp really is special. And it's and it's that weird magic when we get on the stage together because we know each other so well. We don't rehearse what we're going to do. We just get on with it and see what happens and we cope with it. And, yeah, we have a lot of fun along the way. So, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of, a lot of creative projects in the on the go, and uh, yeah, it's it's like yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to explain because people make all sorts of assumptions. So like when we get on, if we're doing comedy or at the moment, like we, we get on, and I'll say something like, "I'm not his probation officer," <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, you know, I'm not a carer. And, and we ask the audience, you know, how do you think we know each other? And they come up with such funny things. And then we write them into the into the show, you know, because of their suggestions. And, uh, yeah, so while we're enjoying it, we'll keep doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But it's that whole idea of, I keep saying, you can't judge a book by a cover. People assume things about me and they assume things about him. Yeah. And they're wrong 99% of the time. Of course. It's like an unlikely duo visually. Yeah, but, but even because when of the stereotypes and yeah, everything you know, else, he's isn't so it, like articulate and he's so you know, it's like they're a bit you know, the face tattoo yeah. of a skull, so people don't see beyond that. Yeah. yeah, do you still battle rap now? We're both a little bit. Um, we the last battle we both had was a two on two, me and him against Bowski and Visceral, the, t okay. uh, you know, yeah, two yeah, of the yeah, people yeah. I've already yeah. mentioned. And it should have gone well. They were amazing. And for all sorts of life reasons, we hadn't prepared like we should have done. And I'm gonna, you probably want to bleep this one out, but I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> so we weren't prepared. But there was all sorts of things going on on the day, and it didn't go according to plan. And we'd both rather just put our hands up. We, we both want to have battles still to show what, you know, re redemption battles separately, not yeah. never again together. Um, <laughs> But at one point, I, I choked. You're not allowed to choke, right? So I thought, I had this brilliant idea. I'll just fill the gap to give myself some thinking time. And this story was never going to be told. But soon, the first time we did open mic after this battle, Scully told this story to the audience. <laughs> so it's out there now. So he's there waiting for me to, and he suddenly, instead of doing my bars, I do this, I, I get this idea. I've written a diss track for Pete and Baz. Pete and Baz, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Pete and Baz, the two old guys from London who yeah, talk yeah, all yeah. gangster, but they're fake. And it's about how I'm real and they're not. So what oh, I thought was, I'll just say the chorus to yeah. buy myself time. So yeah. what should have happened is, I should have just said, 
Retirement's hard when you're living at large and you're the only woman on the back of that card, but there's fire in this belly and there's fire in these bars and Pete and Bass can kiss my ass, right? That's what was meant to happen. That's the chorus. What actually happened was I got really serious. I got my middle finger ready. I went right up to the camera. And in a really serious voice, I said, Retirement's hard when you're living at large and the only woman on the back of that card, but there's fire in my belly and there's fire in these bars and Pete and Bass can fuck my ass. <laughs> <laughs> It's recorded. It's there on YouTube. No, no, well, it's not out. Oh, it's not no. out. No, it's not out. <laughs> it would, that would go viral. That's a career and then, and then I thought, you know, and Scully's face is what she just said. And then what I did instead of, because obviously I didn't plan to. It just yeah. what came out. I then turned to the crowd and I said something like, "Yeah, it's usually kiss my ass, but I decided to do." Yeah. <laughs> I just it out. I'm like, oh my god. So yeah, these things, right? So that's now part of the the comedy because there's no way I could. <laughs> it, it was too good for him to keep to himself <laughs> that one. So yeah, brilliant. So yes, I, I've not put out the diss track yet, but that's one of the things. Yeah, it's the remix version. <laughs> 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 if we rewind a little bit, yeah, I want to talk about Aflex. Yeah, what it means to you when you first came and how the residency re- residency residency. Um, started. Mm, okay. When would you? When were you first aware of Athletics Palace? Oh, as a youngster. But I felt like I was, as I said, I was very quiet and shy. Yeah. I didn't feel like I belonged. Ironically, it's where anybody can fit in. Yeah. But yeah. I just didn't have the confidence to feel like I could be part of it. So basically, um, basically, um, it was. I mentioned the three-minute theatre before. And I took early retirement and mm-hmm. gave myself one year to go and do weird stuff and have fun. And had you started doing poems just yeah. in Wigan at that point? No, I d- uh, no I'd, what I'd done is I'd had some um, paid spots and some things, and I was really enjoying it. And, and I just yeah. decided, loads of people, teachers, were getting retirement with like a nice little package. And I just, on the spur of the moment, it's like the day before you could actually hand it in, I thought, I'm not going to come back next year. I'm going to be poor. I'm just going to go. And I'm going to give myself a year. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do supply work and do this and be boring again. But I'm just going to treat myself to see what happened. Um, So, basically, I had a year of just, it was a delight. People said, oh, no, you're going to struggle. You know, you've been a teacher all this time. What are you going to do with yourself? No, right from the beginning, I got asked to do workshops and festivals, and I I wasn't missing it at all. Obviously, I got some work in Liverpool one day a week teaching creative writing to kids who wanted wanted to. I've just had a ball. And then as it was getting towards the end of that year, and I'm thinking, right, got to be sensible now, got to be sensible. I ended the year by taking a one-week one woman show up to Edinburgh. And then it was after that, it was September, to start applying. So basically, just before then, I'm sat in the three-minute theatre talking to John, asking me how my year's been. I say, oh, I've done this, I've done that. And in that year, I had three residences, one in the Lake District at Sprint Mill, one at an organisation called United Against um, Injustice in Liverpool, and a charity shop in Culture. So I didn't ask for them. I, they were, like, given to me. And I had f- real great fun with them. And I told him this, and he just had this light bulb moment and said, if I arrange for you to talk to the manager of Athletes, will you tell them what a poet in residence is? So just before I went up to Edinburgh, I'd go and sit down with Tony Martin, who was the manager then, and basically he said to me, what's a poet in residence? 
and I just made it up on the spot. What <laughs> I said was... That's what everyone does. Yeah, well, I said, I'm not answering that question because I said, because athletes shouldn't have a point in residence. They should have a creative in residence. And I, I didn't I didn't want to say artist. I didn't whether there was such thing as a creative in residence. But I said, somebody who would um, record and promote and celebrate creativity in all its forms, music and dance and crafts and everything. And you should give them an empty space on the quietest floor and just for free and just ask people to come and create and see what happens. And I just stopped having said that. And he just said, okay, if I give you a room for three months, will you do it? And I'm like, what? So, so instead of in <laughs> September <laughs> going getting supply work, yeah. I thought, no, I'll push it till, till December and see what January happens. January teaching season as well. You can just have the after. But what happened was I got this room, I put a sign up that says no money's passing hands, come in and create, the only rule is to be nice. And then within a week, uh, it was just full people who donated guitars and art materials and chairs and it was just it was just growing and growing and growing. And I realised quite early on, it wasn't like it just a jolly, it athletes mean something to a lot of people who don't fit in anywhere else. And it just, this community just grew in that way. And I've got thousands and thousands of amazing stories that have happened there. So basically, it was open for seven years and I've closed it just before Christmas. Yeah. Thing, all things have to end. Yeah. I was going to close it just after lockdown and I came in the first day that the shop's open and I sat in the space thinking, right, it's closing. And just at that point, a young lad came running up the stairs, the three flights of stairs, and he, s he just said, oh, I just need, I didn't know him, he'd never met me. He, yeah. said, he said, I just needed to know it was here. He says, I'm going to be in trouble now, I'm going to college and I'm going to be in trouble, but I just needed to know after lockdown that this was still here, and I thought, Aww. I can't close it yet. I've got to leave it open for people to come and heal and to find yep. themselves again and whatever. So I did close it, and what I'd done is distilled everything down, because we had like 18 guitars, and I'd given to some to Coffee for Craig, and given some to somebody who was busking, and somebody, you know, all, the, the, all these things have gone out into yeah. the world. And I've kept a core of things, which I've got probably 10 boxes, and I've got this other space for a short while, where I'm going through the boxes, and when I'm going to help ask people, in fact, this is a first, I'm about to put this out this week, I'm asking people to take one aspect of the boxes. It might be the LGBTQ plus things, or it might be the eyes, or the poetry, or the well, whatever it is, and curate a rolling exhibition telling the stories of those things. It's, well, it's not me doing it, it's, uh, here's the materials, see what you can do with this. Yeah. Mm, so that's done, it's, it's almost in a corridor on the third floor. And then get pi I've got the rocking chair. It was Pimp My Rocker, which is the first thing that ever <laughs> happened there. And I'm, I'm inviting people to sit for three minutes and either perform or talk and then it send me the links and things about either creativity, what's happened to them, or anything. So we had the first, uh, first performance last week, which I'll be putting out there, which was some burlesque on the rocking chair, which is Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Was it bittersweet to close it down after so long? Very bittersweet, very, and it still is. Yeah. The beautiful thing is, though, that it's been taken over by a shop that's um, they've got a, an existing business. We've taken it over, and it's really alternative clothes and things, and they've kept all the, all the wall, all the artwork and stuff on the wall, so it's got that weird feel, feel to it still. Which is really nice. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to see it passed down. Yeah. Not not complete, not die completely, I suppose. Yeah. But, you know, I came out of lockdown thinking that I wouldn't be performing and creativity had gone and it was like that was my old self and, you know. Oh. And I really, really had had nothing left. 
it just felt like I've done a few bits on lockdown. I've done I've, online. I've done some yeah, I've done some things myself and Scully and Martin and whatever. We did um uh, some workshops for um um oh god, what's it called? I'll come back to me in a minute. The ballet place in Saddler's Wells. For Saddler's Wells and I'd done some online performance. But my heart wasn't in it anymore. Mm. And I just thought, no, it's this is I'm going into a new phase of life that doesn't involve creativity and performing. And yeah, it, it took a good six months, maybe a bit longer, before I started doing things and then started enjoying them. And now I'm back. I think I'm a back. lot of us felt the same way because yeah. we were so distanced from each other for such a long time. And that's what yeah. creativeness I, is. It's community. It's the same thing. And there is ho- it's ho- it's a completely different thing connecting with people through a screen. Yeah. Yeah. Than being in the s- in the same room. And I. Not just performing, all the stuff I was doing with athletes. When I go to festivals, I connect with people. I have all these weird things for them to try and come and sit and we do all sorts of weird. You, no matter what you do online, it's never going to be that where you're sat in a field and creating little wibbly wobbly pathways up to the tree where people are going to. Yeah. And that had all gone. Yeah, absolutely. I can't agree more. I, I started poetry during lockdown. I mean, I was, yeah. a, I was at uni and then. Lockdown happened, then it was like all online learning, which was terrible, like yeah. for my concentration anyway, yeah. which isn't the best. Like online was, yeah. it was terrible. It was weird. You had teachers that had like kids crawling up them and cats <laughs> going up and down the camera and, you know, all sorts yeah. of weird things. But poetry, my first open mic, it was Kendall Poetry Festival, but it was online. Yeah. Uh, it was Kim Moore. She was, she was like um, facilitating the open mic session. It was online and it was, it was great, but it was nothing like my first open mic at say in room. Manchester yeah. like with real people yeah. in, in a pub and in that it, the atmosphere everything was di- completely different it, it was not yeah it was uh, you can't compare the two not no. at all no yeah and then you say you just found it really so well, six not months just or so no yeah. six months oh, after, after lockdown after, yeah, after, right, yeah. no it. no it's been back for a while now no it's been back and yeah I'm I'm but particularly the comedies really and, and the script writing and the music and you know, I'm still doing poetry, but it's not, it's a smaller part of what I do. Yeah. Do you think, because, have you ever been tempted to say, I want to put some sort of, I suppose it's the same thing with the music now, like a, a physical imprint out into the world, be it a book or no, be I've it been asked so many, so many times. I might yeah. do something to do with an album, but certainly not a poetry book. I've got no intention. I've, I've had lots of people ask me. And because it doesn't, for me, I wouldn't want people reading my poems without hearing my voice. But also, a poem's never finished. I always want to do something else to it. It's, it needs tweaking or completely changing or going in a different order. Or So, uh, yeah, you know, I might put out a, some sort of weird sort of zine of some sort, but not. I don't want a publication Yeah, no, all. I couldn't agree more. Just to talk, yeah, just because, like, I, I've got a pamphlet out... Um, a limited edition one that's out at the minute, and uh, but I really struggled with having it ready and say, okay, the, all those poems are finished because yeah. I'm a massive editor. I go back and back and back, yeah. and maybe that's university that instilled that in me or yeah. whatever. But I very find it very hard to say, right, this is ready and yeah. it's done and, and it's no finished. There's no way I can say this is the order in a book, and that is going to be there forever. Yes, in that order, absolutely. No, they'll fight for different places, you know. Absolutely, I yeah. changed. I changed my order right up until publication week. Yeah. Like I definitely yeah. changed it about um, a few times. But it's the same. I don't ever want to run a regular night. I've I've hosted. I've you know support. You know when people have been away and things like that. But I don't want any of this to be a burden, and you know, yeah. and just just be. Oh, 
Because yeah. you're about doing new things, aren't they? So you don't want to yeah. keep doing the oh, same one over and over. You can do the old thing. If it is, say, hosting a poetry night, I remember the first time I hosted one, it was at Sale. And I think Rod Tame at the time was away. So I just turned up and on every table I put, on one I had a typewriter and one I had these puzzles and something, I had, you know, magic painting books or whatever. So everybody had to start talking to each other and things. And I thought, yeah, you know, I, just want, I don't want to just stand there like yeah. and do it because I can do that. Let's see what... I just love getting people involved in creativity who aren't really there for the creativity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when it's music festivals and I'm do, trying to get people involved in spoken word or something like that. Yeah, the, one of the very first things I did when I took early retirement, I formed um, something that I called Feral Poets. So we used to just go to places <laughs> like the comedy carpet in Blackpool and just in get people involved in poetry, you know, whether it's talking about them or having a puppet or... Just you know, assaulting a hen party, and suddenly you know, yeah. getting sort of <laughs> trying to get them to laugh in you know, a, a certain getting the right poem to. Are people quite perceptive to that when you? Oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I've done that a lot of times now. Yeah, That's, and I really do enjoy that because there's lots out there already for people who are already fired up about poetry. Yes, but I, you know, it's changed my life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I, I love that. I love like I love people who, who I did a gig recently with Tom Stocks, which I'm sure you know yeah, from yeah. Mike of the Mill. Um, we were invited to Bolton Uni to do a, a poetry thing, and a couple of kids walked in and they were like, "Poetry's dead. Yeah. I've not heard a poem yeah. in so long." And Tom got up there and had a bit of a go with them, like not you know yeah. nicely, friendly, but it was like, "Well, you've not heard poetry like this before." And by the end, they were like buying his book, buying yeah. my book, and being like, "Oh my Ex god, we didn't realize exactly, it's poetry." Exactly, yeah. And I think there's such a, there's something really beautiful about that because. It, it's like a gateway for other things as well, you know? Yeah. Now, I remember the very first... When I first finished work, and Louise Fazakli couldn't make a, a festival in York, asked me would I cover her. So at very last minute, I go down to do this. And there's the poetry tent. And the po there's poetry people performing, poetry people listening. But I go outside, and there's a group of kids, and I just went over to them and said, I'm just curious, you know, would you ever walk into the poetry tent? And he said, nah, you know, don't yeah. like poetry at school, blah, blah, blah. And I just said, and I said, you know, it's a shame because I, I understand that. You yeah. know, schools can ruin poetry yeah, for you. Oh. says, but, you know, I said, go on, indulge me. And I just did a very short poem for them. And they they laughed and they whatever. And uh, so and I just said, so if you ever go in, anyway, I, uh, did we call, call my name? You know, I was supposed to be on stage. So I, thanks, nice to speak to you. So I run in. I get on the stage, I turn around, and they've all followed me in. Brilliant. So they followed me in, and I basically say to them, look, when the other poets are on, they probably want you to be quiet and, and listen, that's fine. It says, but actually, if you want to join in, if you want to cheer, if you want to boo, if you want to, you know, yeah. whatever, please do. And so I, then I tried to do the performance of my life, you know, so to try and really make sure. And they, they were fantastic. They really were engaged. And then it was, oh, I've forgotten his name, guy from York. It was, it was hosting the stage then got on and did one that he knew would would actually really and they just they just loved it and you know uh, you don't know whether they'll ever look at poetry again but they'll so remember rethink that. it yeah 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 and that was so early on that it's just influenced me to say like i you know i'm trying not to judge other things and other people and other art forms and you know i might you know i said i'm learning djing i, I might be rubbish at it Am I? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, you're giving it a try. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. and if I'm fun with it, yeah. and I have a, a venue that says if I do want to, they're gonna they'll let me put on anything. Brilliant. <laughs> oh, I can't say it on here, but 
That's amazing. That really is something to look forward to. Do you know what? I, I found that exactly the same thing in the last few years, and it's about like confidence in yourself and confidence in your inhibitions, I think. Like that video I put up yesterday of drumming. So I've recently got a drum machine. Yeah. I drums when I was a kid very, very badly. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. very badly. Because I don't have any, like, I'm dyspraxic. I don't have any coordination. Yeah. But I love writing songs and hip hop and all this stuff, right? And I know I'm not great at it, but I want to be. So I did literally, I got it and I set it up and I played it for the first time yesterday and I put the video out there. It's not great. Like there's yeah. loads of missed notes and there's loads of stuff. It's a starting point. But it's a starting point. And to put it out there is me going, look, I'm not, it doesn't matter if you're any good at this because I'm not and I'm going to show you me not being very good at this. Somebody else might and look at that and think, yeah. do you know? I did, I looked yeah. at it and I thought, oh my God, you know, I messaged you, I said, that sounds really good, like yeah. I really enjoyed that. And he was like, oh, I'm not practicing. Like, but that's what it sounds like without any practice, yeah. you know, that's that's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah but I was, I was like inspired by that because I'm, uh, musically I'm not gifted whatsoever. I can write poetry and stuff, but I'm not very gif musically gifted whatsoever. But yeah, you're inspired. You're too kind. But it, but that is the idea, isn't it? Is that like if we share a little bit of ourselves, somebody else might share a little bit back, and they'll have something different to but give. I think in this world of you know, there's a lot of good things about social media, yeah. but there's so much falseness. There's so much, so easy to hide behind. You know, I'm fine, mass. Look at me. I'm eating this and I'm there and I'm wearing this and whatever. That if you actually genuinely are yourself and you're showing a little bit of your insecurities or whatever mm. you're not having therapy online or whatever it can it you know there's a place for it it can be really it can be really good all around i think it's i mean we've talked a lot about this over the last few weeks like people being honest and sharing themselves is really really important mm. but th i do wonder when it's like why do we have to comment on everything do you know what i mean like with this philip schofield thing fuck awful terrible guy obviously why does everybody in the, in the world need to agree? Yeah, I, I, I agree. He is a terrible... Like, we know. That's, like, the default opinion, isn't it? Yeah. Donald Trump is bad. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really know another person to tell me that. No, exactly, yeah. well, well, the fact is there's a lot of people in the world that think that Donald Trump is absolutely the messiah. Mm. So they will... Their pe people will need to always comment, yes, he is, yes, he is, you know. And so it's like... There's n it's not a debate at all. It's no, not, it's, it's just it's two people shouting at, yeah. at brick walls yeah. who aren't going to move, yeah. I agree. It's completely destroyed what debate is because yeah. it's just people going, no, <laughs> I'm retweeting ideas. I agree with it. Yeah, well, that's it. I think I think places like Twitter and um, all social media, but I find Twitter particularly worse for things like this, but it is just opinions being thrown into the void and like they're just, and then people are adding to that and just stacking up and it's, it feels like it should just be a dear diary. But it's yeah. it's out there but for everyone to, to I mean comment I'm on and I'm to really judge. You know, I'm really and always have been torn, particularly in the battle rap world, with this idea of should you be able to say anything? Should there be consequences? Yeah. What's freedom of speech? What your you know can you offend? You know what's cancel culture in the battle rap world? And it's fascinating and it's ever changing. And, you know, my opinion keeps changing. I think that's really important that, that you... Sorry, so yeah. what I think is really interesting is what you spoke about after before, which is, like, afterwards, everyone's lovely. And within, like, this micro-community that's built up of people who attend and go to these events, you can say what you want on a stage, and that's fine. But what could happen 
is it's taken so far out of context by people who aren't part of that community that it like removes no, it removes you context. No, you can say things in battle that really mm. everybody turns against you. Okay. Things that, yeah, so where's the line? Well, it's constantly changing. Sorry, is is the things that are off ground oh, off limits really? Absolutely. So what, have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. for example, somebody got um, made a really crass um, bar about the Hillsborough disaster. Right. Okay. And I see that. I see that. Uh, there was somebody who uh, made something. You, the intention wasn't a bad intention, but the way it came over was one about um, putting his knee on somebody till they couldn't, and it was a black guy at the back, okay. you know, at, yeah, the, at yeah, the time. Yeah. The George Floyd yeah. and everything, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, so there's things where it's like, right, no, you know, we don't we don't have that here sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, I mean, yeah, because there's, de- there's a degree of, you know, all the, you know, your mum jokes and all that sort of thing is just... And then suddenly it might turn and it might change. So it's in the time I've been there, it has changed a lot. I guess with both of those two, is it's a, sp- it's a specificity within the thing. He's not talking about racism. He's talking about a man who died. He's not yeah. talking about like a disaster. He's talking about a very specific disaster that people might yeah. have relationships with. So maybe you're allowed to joke about anything. Yeah, but uh, it if has you're white, you can't say the N word. Yeah, and yes, things like that. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah, yeah. but you may not know that rule that you know yeah. that's at the time. But maybe you could have done before. It's it's fascinating. It and really it's is. It's ever changing. It's a mini, tiny little social demographic there, yeah. and what's acceptable there yeah. reflects in a different way what's acceptable on there. Well, certainly in the poetry world, you can go to some events yeah. that are doing their damnedest to be safe spaces. Yes. And in the process, actually make it very either sterile or not safe because it's so many trigger warnings, so many th- rules you have to say, and you, you like, you know. Best of intentions, absolutely the best of intentions, but the results can actually be somebody in the audience is then thinking, well, there's a trigger warning for, and then somebody in the audience is like, well, I can't get up and walk out now because people are going to, you know, there's a lot of, so I, I, you know, I have every sympathy and every understanding, and that's fine as long as it's clear that that's what the night is and that's what some people want, that's fine. But then there's other nights where, we're There's just no, no holds barred. Yeah. You talk about yeah. anything, and then that's yeah. inappropriate for a whole other group of people for a whole yes. other group of reasons. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I don't think uh, either of the nights that we run, we just say we, we don't talk about content at all, do we? We just people come. And some some performers get up here and say, you know, there's a content one on in this for this reason, yeah. but, yeah, but that's their yeah. choice. Uh, but yeah, that's their choice. But I never I never ask them to. Uh, you know, I send the group. I send the message out to the group on the day of, saying like, you've got five minutes. Do what you want in it. Say whatever you want, perform whatever you want, just please remain respectful. No sexism, no racism. No sexism, no racism, no homophobia. And that's literally the the only, like, you know... I have have been at nights where um, somebody's got up and performed a racist poem or something, and then, you know, the the poor host is having to try and find a way of dealing with that. And it's not not an easy thing, but at least you do your best to tackle it. Because yeah. we, we don't have bouncers, do we? No. <laughs> no, <laughs> There's not someone at the door to say, right, get down now. Yeah, yeah exactly. I have, I've heard of nights that are, are like strictly against uh, trigger warnings that specifically say, like, you know, you don't have to give one, which is fine to a certain extent, but obviously... You it's a balance, and again, it, it's a balance. Change, it changes, you know, what was right 10 years ago isn't right now and won't be right in 10 years' time, yeah. and it's just, just trying to be aware and... I think it links back to what you were saying earlier about, like, on... Uh, uh, lockdown and human connection mm. the best solution to that in my opinion is just to look people in the eye yeah. and feel do you feel uncomfortable like this if you do i'm sorry and you can leave yeah. 
rather than dancing around it, talking about it, talking about this, that, and the other, just being present yeah, yeah. and connecting with the piece and, and the person. It's the same with the comedy because you can really get it wrong with comedy. Yeah. But usually the audience will let you know as a comic if you you're out. You know the the, the compare doesn't have to do much because the audience is just saying nope, nope, <laughs> not that. Yeah. Yeah. Might end up leaving <laughs> rather pronto. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's such a fascinating discussion about where we've come and where we're going mm -hmm. in terms of all that. But I do think a lot of it's very performative. People trying to say the right thing for the right reasons yeah. rather than because they actually care. Yes. Yeah. Not ideal. <laughs> it's a funny one for me because I, I think very little of my stuff has any sort of content warnings, you know, like... It's all very personal. Very personal, because like, it's, it's all about me and my life and my experience, because I, I write what I know. But I always try and do it in a way that it could be about anything. Like, you know, we spoke about how you find stuff in my writing relatable, and we've, got, we've had very different experiences growing up, but at the same time, quite similar as well. Like, you know, the whole dislocation thing, you, you've come from Lincolnshire and you've come to Manchester, big city. You know, like we've said before, you can relate, if you want to, you can relate poetry to yourself, to your life, if and you really want to. And the beauty of it is, it, if you're not just performing or sharing things with people just like you and have all the same experiences of you, in your own little group or whatever, they might not have actually had your experiences, but they'll start getting an understanding yeah. Yeah. of those experiences that yeah. they may not have got. How else, you know, if not through poetry and things like that, then how are they going to get an understanding? You know, you can get it through books, you can get it through TV or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, it's... And I think that that's there's that scope. I mean, I do say a lot of the time the magic is when you've stepped out of your own little zone, yeah. and you've discovered that other people who you think are not like you are actually got so much in common. It's really that that is where the beauty is. Absolutely. So it's so much easier just to stick to your own, isn't it? Yeah. Well, then who defines what your own is? Yeah, as well. but you do. You 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 do you yeah. decide. You yeah. See, the it could be geographical. I never go out to Bolton, you know, because I don't think yeah. Well, one of the nicest comments I've had on my pamphlet is that it kind of opens the conversation around immigration and things like that in a in a in a way that it's not like pointing the finger or uh, making you feel bad about it, but it it gives you a, an understanding of that experience when you might have never encountered yeah. it before, you yeah. know. Yeah. And that's so different from what we see when we see debate writ large on Twitter or on Question Time or whatever, which is as we talked about earlier, so confrontational. Everything's a clickbait headline. Everything's your own yeah. yeah, and you're yeah. not a attacking anyone in any of your work. It's really non-confrontational. You're just saying this is me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think probably like the 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 pro, you know, the main poem like that I perform all the time is like I don't even like sardine. I think that's maybe the only one that's like kind of saying why aren't you accepting me because I am not. You know, I've been here so long. I don't even like sardines. I don't drink black coffee. Like. Yeah, but even then you're turning that back on yourself and but saying... Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, as you said, I d I it's, I, yeah, my, my aim is never to point the finger or to, or to blame people for my experience, but rather make them understand w what it's like. I think we've just hit the hour mark, so we'll begin to start to wrap things yeah. up. I want to ask you two questions. First yeah. thing is, where can people... I mean, Bolton Socialist Club tonight, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> it's bygone. Gone. Yeah. Gone. Where can people come and see you or oh. come in? What's what have you got going on? Well, it's really weird. I really post very little on social media about what I'm up to, but I'm, I've decided June is going to be the month because it's um, it's Affleck's. You know, me starting this 
project. I've got a lot of things that are coming up to do with it's LGBTQ plus month. Pride month, so yeah. I've got a few things for that. Um, and I've got, so I'm actually going to start, if you know, if you follow on Twitter or Instagram or stuff, I'm going to actually start sharing a lot of these things. Just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and putting out bits of videos and... I mean, the documentary is now just, it's done its final film f festival and it's won quite a few yes, awesome things. Yes, I've seen. So I don't know where that's going to go next, whether you know, whether they might just put it out there. And the yeah, and things. so there'll be some things to do with that will be happening. And yeah, there's yeah, a few things to do with music and a few other things I'm doing. I'm going to start sharing a bit more. Yeah, we, we talked as well in the last episode, actually, which we, as creatives, we're always having to like promote ourselves, don't we, and sell ourselves and come to this or look what yeah. I'm doing. And, and I, I don't, I don't yeah, do I hate, I hate doing it myself. Like, Will's quite good at it. We've discussed it with Abby, like, uh, Abby and Parcel. I feel bad for the organisers, but at the same time, if I was putting everything and promoting, you know, I've, uh, I've got some common, I'm doing a couple of comedy things in Yorkshire coming up. And, you know, well, I'll just tell my friends in Yorkshire. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you yeah. around? Do you, yeah. want to, you know, do you want to come and meet up? Whereas, rather than necessarily putting it on. But I do, I, I, I mean, the friend I've met up today, she, she says, well, you know, I live my life through watching what you're doing. You don't let anything up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm well, I'm sorry. You know, yeah. Maybe I should do. So make sure to follow you on social media then to find out what you're going to be up yeah, to. Yeah, but then again, you know, just come and see me in Affleck's and have a natter. Yeah, yeah you know, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Just and have an ice cream, sit in the chair and do, you know, right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. You, know, you just can follow me on there, but, yeah. Follow me in person. Follow me yeah, in, yeah, real yeah, in real life, in real life. Yeah, absolutely. We ask every guest here on the Redraft podcast, and that is if we gave you a chance to go back and redraft an area of your life, or, of your writing or anything like that, what would that be? I've thought long and hard about what if I'd have got my confidence earlier? What if I'd have been creative and outgoing and, you know, when I was in my 30s or my 20s or something like that? And the honest truth is I don't think I would be enjoying it as much because I appreciate it now. The fact that I had nothing like this, the fact that I've got so much, I can swim with it thinking, yes, I've waited for this. So in actual fact... Everything I've done, uh, even the projects that haven't gone particularly well, I've learned from every single one, and I've built something on the back of every single one. So, yeah, I could do things better. I could do things, but no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't want, I really wouldn't, wouldn't want, want to. to. I really wouldn't. And, uh, yeah, and then I'm very lucky that the, the friends I've got in my life friends I might not see for ages well, through lockdown and after but they're bloody good friends who the, you know the best sort of friends are like you know yeah let's do a project together yeah, yeah and then like five years later we might actually do something <laughs> you know um, because circumstances have changed there's no pr pressure on myself or anybody else to actually prove that you know yeah we did that little project together let's do a bit if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't and yeah, the minute I start worrying about should I have done that better or should I have redone that, or um, I'm sort of taking it away from what I'm doing today because yeah. I'm spending time regretting things in the past. So I get the question, yeah, but nah, I don't want to really no, just just see what I'm doing next. That's brilliant because to be fair, my 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 answer was 
whilst I wish I'd have started earlier, but then yeah, yeah. Will posed a, a, a question to that is, do you think the journey would have been the same? And it pr probably yeah. really wouldn't because yeah. I came into this from uh, the lowest point in my life up until this point. I was really that, really down. And I had to make a change, and, and university and the degree was th was that change, and it's opened up so many things in my life. Yeah. So maybe if I if I hadn't been a chef for ten years and I'd gone straight into writing, and I think I would have had a completely different life. And maybe it would have been good, maybe it wouldn't, but it's yeah, it wouldn't have been the same for sure. Do you know what's really beautiful as well? That you're the first person we've done ten odd people now. Maybe you're the first person to say, "Nah, nah. fuck <laughs> that. I'm not answering the question." <laughs> first person. I love it. Yeah. Oh. Well, just I just. All I can do is be honest, you yeah. know. I'm not yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. and I'm not gonna give you an answer just because I think you might want an answer. Yeah. I did that for the first half of my life. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna carry on doing that now. You know, I'm not gonna be mean, but you know, yeah. I'm gonna be truthful. No, I love it. Right, I think that about wraps us up. Thank yeah, you no, so much. Yeah, no, it's been nice. It's been like you know, sat in a nice little place, just having a nice chat on a nice day. It's it's been. Yeah, I wish all podcasts were as just chilled <laughs> as this. <laughs> Super yeah. chill. Right, beautiful. Bye. 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 And that was the legend Joy France. I hope you enjoyed that chat, uh, listening to that chat as much as we enjoyed having it. Uh, Joy came into the cafe just uh, before her appearance at uh, Bolton's Right Out Loud. Right Out Loud, right yes. Right Out Loud, yes. Um, so you know what an amazing uh, local local poet and, and person to have. Just inspirational talking to her, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Look, I have so much admiration for someone who's like comes to it a bit later in life and when it's not as easy to get up there well it's already hard when you're like mm. our age and, and younger still but um I feel like you know it's it's just inspirational because there's no fear and she just tries all these things like I love the lists that she does you know when you'll, you will have heard on the podcast the 60 before 60 and all this I just think it's fantastic like it's something I aspire to do after this after chatting to her about that for sure yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no, there's no age limit on that either. You can start doing that at 18. You start doing that at 25, like whatever. Yeah, like right now. Yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Real joy. Oh shit, I wasn't even meaning to do that. Real joy. <laughs> joy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that yeah, that brings us to the end. So housekeeping as usual. Um, I'm very excited because just before we hopped on this Zoom, I heard that a piece that I wrote ages ago is going to be featured on an album with one of my favourite rappers. So I'm really excited about that. More detail to come. Um, and it's Switchblade this Sunday. So take your, take your people, take your friends, take your lovers, take your star-crossed people, bring them to the Pier Hat this Sunday, the 20-something and you. thank you <laughs> <The 18th. laughs> and come and have a lovely time we have an amazing headliner um caesar um it's free or donations come in and it's at seven o'clock doors are at seven and uh yeah northern quarter of manchester the pier hat we're gonna be having a good time yes and i know it's the 18th because i am <laughs> going to be moving on that day so i unfortunately Shit. cannot make that but you should definitely go if you are you also can't make that like me, then on the 27th, you can come down to Natter instead. Uh, or both. Coming to or Bolton. Both. Or both, or both. <laughs> um, yeah, coming down to Natter, we've got a great lineup again, lots of new people that I've not yet seen and I'm very excited to listen to. Um, yeah, so tickets for that are going to come out this week, so keep your eyes on our socials. We're going to mm. be dropping all the info for you. And I think that's it. 
that's it. We'll leave on a tease that we've got some exciting podcast news coming soon and we'll just leave it with that, I think. Yes, I think that's enough until we see you next week. Shout out to the people who make it to the end. Have a blessed day. Bye. 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 Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Redraft Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this chat, you can help support us over on Patreon. We have three tiers of Patreon support available from three to eight pounds per month. Tier one is the Big Biro tier in that you receive a shout out in the episode after you join, access to all of our planning documents and you can join an exclusive Instagram group chat with other writers to share notes, tips, feedback and more. In tier two, the Fountain Pen tier, you get all of that plus pre-sale to any upcoming live events that we've got going on and you get to interact with our guests directly by emailing in questions in advance. And in tier three, you get the typewriter tier, includes all the previous benefits, plus a free art print from Printer Poet, commission your own poem from us once a year, and you also get feedback on a single piece of writing, and that's once a month. And of course, you can also support us for free by following, subscribing, and dropping us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choice. And we are really grateful for any level of support that you can offer. We know it's a tough old world out there for everyone at the minute so thank you very much and if you can't support us in that way you can always just share us with your friends tell the world about us put us on your stories and give us five stars we'll be back every monday with a brand new episode of the redraft podcast for your listening pleasure